This is a podcast for nice guys. How do you want to be remembered? Someone who sacrificed everything or a man who got what he wanted while positively influencing others along the way? Join us to learn how to lead from the bedroom to the boardroom from the only international coach for nice guys, your host, Ashley Cox. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a podcast for nice guys. Today, I have Jay Menz. She's a trained and certified hypnotherapist, detox specialist, and life coach with a degree in intercultural communication. She's in the midst of writing a book that her audience will devour in one sitting. She's led more than eight sold out retreats, both virtually and in person. And she's known to her people as magnetizing and hilarious. And I can vouch for that. She's married to a fireman and daily entertained by her almost five-year-old son. When you're with her, you will know she is with you. And today we're going to be talking about nice guys and why when they're in their power, it's interesting and a turn on for her and why when you're not in your power, she gets bored. So Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was, that already lit me up. I'm really excited to talk about why nice men and their power is so attractive. I feel there's so much to be said. You wrote the perfect post on that. I could go on for days and I would love to just speak to your audience about how to show up more confidently. So just for background, everyone, Jay saw a post that I posted on Instagram that said, when you're not in your power, she gets bored. And she messaged me and she was like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this. And Jay is intelligent. She's intuitive. She's gorgeous. And I figured that a lot of men would be interested in her perspective around this topic of what it means to be in your power and why a guy who's not in his power, who's people pleasing, et cetera, is a turnoff. And so it's really a win-win for you to be in your power and get what you want and turn her on. Are you ready? Yes. That felt so good hearing that. I was like, just showering in chocolate. Mm. <laughs> you're, you're an incredible woman. And I think that most men listening would be really happy just to like talk to you or get to know you. And so hearing how you think is mm. going to be really helpful for them. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as an intelligent woman, as an intuitive woman, how do you know if a man is in his power or not? Oh man. Okay. I can only speak about my husband right now because I'm thinking about him. He is a man. He's about five, eight, and he had to learn how to be bigger than his size. And he's the first man I've met that blew me away with his confidence. I was like, Whoa, his confidence blew me back. And I could tell he was a really strong guy in soul and spirit and in body too, really physically strong. And he was so solid down to the ground. And I had never experienced anything like that. And I had dated men that were double his size, but were doormats and they would let anyone do anything. And they would people please and do this and that. And it was such a turnoff the whole time. I was like, why are they not holding boundaries in family relationships and friendships? It was such a turnoff to see people allow others to steamroll them. And then you have this like incredibly sexy, attractive, confident man standing his ground. He's super confident until he gets around certain people. Yes. 
Yeah. He's mostly confident. I would say just immediate family members makes him become a doormat and it wasn't who he is to me. So it was hard to watch and it was, yeah, I just got less attracted, but he was like still the same person still looked the same, but the way he was allowing himself to be walked all over, I was like, that's the most unattractive quality someone could have. And really it's a people pleasing thing, trying to keep the peace, but that doesn't work. You can't keep the peace for others because you create such chaos from within. And I could see it eating away at him. And it was so hard to watch and watching him create these solid boundaries. You could put a meat stick near him and I'm like a dog to a bone. I'm like, yes, more of that. Thank you for the solid boundaries. And even with me, if he has solid boundaries, it's attractive. I'm like, thank you. Don't let me say things that, that go against your integrity. One, I am only doing it because you're giving me the carpet opening to walk a little further down and test the waters and see what I can say to you. And then when it's like, oh, good. Put me back in my place. And that is attractive when someone has that air of, you don't have the right to talk to me like that. I won't put up with it. That is so much more attractive than people pleasing. So when you posted that quote, I just was like, thank you. What is it about the boundaries? What do they do for you? Because you're like, it's attractive when he, when he sets a boundary, he doesn't let me walk all over him. What about that is, is hot. Mm -hmm. So when he does that, it makes him seem more masculine. He's protecting himself. And then I feel protected because if he's not going to let people walk all over him, he's not going to let anyone walk over me. Yeah. And that's, and then I think also my son is watching him and my husband is teaching my son. This is how you treat people. This is how you allow people to talk to you or not allow them to talk to you. And so I think him being and embodying this person with solid boundaries teaches my son. Okay. That obviously wasn't okay for dad. And that isn't okay for me too. So it's a ripple effect to, to the entire family and he's a fireman. So they talk a lot of shit and they ball bust and they have these really screwed up jokes as a way to deal with trauma. And so to, he has those qualities as well. He's one of the guys and that's where it it ends. And that is what is so attractive. I feel confident being with someone like that. So it sounds like he can navigate being with the guys and being with you and his boundaries with you also helps you trust his boundaries with the guys. Yeah, I know. I can trust that he's not going to say anything disrespectful about me when I'm not around. Like I can trust him. Um, He's a solid guy. And I cannot say that about almost anyone else I dated prior. There's a consistency and an an integrity, even if he says something that you don't like and he puts you in your place, at Uh least, you know, he's, he's an integrity and he's consistent. It builds trust essentially. Spot on. How do you typically like respond when he sets a boundary? Because I think a lot of my clients, we talk about all of this and I tell them Mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying. And then they go, well, she's going to be mad when I set the boundary. 
Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. She'll thank you later. It's kind of like a child who's having a temper tantrum, right? Mm -hmm. How do you typically respond? Literally, I feel like I'm the perfect person to talk to about this because I could say that Alex would say that too. He, because of what he learned from his mom. So I think it has so much to do with how you were raised and then you attract someone different than your mom, but then you do the same thing. And then you get into a mother son relationship in your relationship. So I think you, you come in as you are as a woman to a relationship. And if that person allows you to walk all over them a certain amount of time, it's what you do because it's the roles that you guys start playing. But then once that person starts having boundaries, it can be off-putting. When he started putting boundaries, it was off-putting, but it was also good. I was like really proud of him. So I was split. When he started setting boundaries with me, I know he was scared, but I had to remind him constantly, one, I'm not your mom. Mm. So I'm not scary. And I'm not going to like punish you. Two, it's going to be hard for me at the beginning, but like be patient with me and I'll get there. You know, it it wasn't as simple or smooth as that, but once he started doing that, it was so strengthening for our relationship. Cause I was like, thank you for putting me back in my place where I belong over here, not controlling anyone, but myself. And then thank you for starting to lead our relationship because as a woman, you don't want to show up masculine. I don't want to, I will take it on. If I feel like the boundaries are being crossed and he doesn't step up, I will take it on, but I'm not happy to take it on. It's stressful to your system. It's not what women we're not meant to do that. We have to do that out of survival, out of having tough relationships with our dads or our older brothers. So it makes sense. I think everything happening is you're either going to mend the relationship you had with your dad, with your partner, or you're just going to attract the same thing and it's going to be combustible. So it's like choices that you make. Do I want to heal this wound within me that has to do with my father and then him to heal the wound that he has with his mother? Or are we just going to do the exact same thing? And then next lifetime, do the exact same thing. We have a choice to to really break it and create something new if both are willing participants. I love that. I think there's, there's something to be said for learning to trust him. If you felt like you couldn't trust your dad a hundred percent, and then your partner does something that does one thing, quote unquote wrong. It takes you all the way back to all those times your dad let you down or your dad wasn't there. So that is, yeah, that gave me goosebumps because I'm thinking about my dad is awesome and he is funny and he's smart and he's witty and he has such a soft spot for me. I know it. I can feel it. And on the other hand, very eruptive a lot. When I was younger, he was so intelligent off the scales with his math mind that he couldn't understand that I couldn't understand even simple math. Alex has actually never, ever, ever, ever given me the feeling that I'm dumb. But if I feel like I'm being explained to something, like I'm a little girl, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm an adult woman. I'm not your daughter. So there's certain things that happen on a daily basis. 
And then I have to check myself and be like, oh, okay, that's stuff with my dad. I have to be self-aware. I can only imagine for your clients when they're scared, that makes me so sad because they, it does feel like a little boy thing. And I get that. And then for the woman, she's waited for him to be this thing and he's trying to be this thing, but she isn't comfortable with it yet. So it's a learning curve. For both really. Yeah. I often tell them there's going to be a period of adjustment where when he's setting the new boundaries and like if if he's been with this person for a long time, I mean, Mm -hmm. ideally you start setting the boundaries from the very beginning, right? Yeah. But if he's been with this person for a very long time and she's not used to him setting boundaries, it's completely normal for her to have a temper tantrum. Just like the first time you tell a kid, no, at the grocery store and the checkout line, they always get the candy bar and then you tell them no. And then they freak out. It's because they've come to expect a certain response and behavior from you. And when they don't get that, then there's a piece of them that reacts. What I tell people is if she wants to be on the same team with you, she is going to start to respond. Even if it's abruptly at first, she is going to get on board. And if she's somebody, if she's somebody that's not interested in being on the same team with you, and she just wants to be entrenched in those behaviors and will not open up, will not trust you, will not be emotionally responsible, right? She wants to be steeped in those patterns and rooted in those patterns of victimhood and it's all your fault and blame and shame and all of that, not learn and grow with you, then Mm -hmm. that's how you know that this isn't the right partner for you. Because most women who want to make things work with your husband, you want him to set the boundary, even if you don't Mm -hmm. like it, you want him to be in his power so you guys can grow together. And that means like, it's worth his time to do that with you. And a woman who's not responding at all and doesn't respect him ever, no matter how much he invests, how much he works on himself, how much power he's stepping into his power and he's doing all these things. And if she's not responding at all, that means that there's something deeper going on with her and she's not a good fit. Well, that, and it also feels unsafe for her because I could step mm-hmm. into her shoes and it would maybe be unsafe for all that to be created within the house because you get used to certain things and maybe it's five years, 10 years. And then after 10 years, this guy wants to change. And you're like, really, where were you 10 years ago? I would have loved this 10 years ago. And so she probably has to unravel a lot of that to be able to even be open. And if that guy has been closed off, he's been pull away, avoidant attachment style, and she wants to be vulnerable and opened up. But he, the moment she tries, he resists and he's like, you're attacking me. He goes avoidant. And then she has nowhere to turn to. She's mad. She's angry. So they're going to have to work together to come to some sort of understanding. They're going to have to work together to create a feeling of safety. So they build upon a solid foundation. That's great that he has boundaries all of a sudden, but he also has to bring her along that journey and be like, listen, I have brought so much in from my past and I've laid it on you and I've allowed things to happen because I didn't know how to become the man that I want to be. And I want to be now, and I want to be that for me. And I want to be that for you. And if I heard something like that, I'd be like, wow, that is so (laughs) attractive. But if he all of a sudden is like, things are going to be done the way that they've been done. And he like lays a thing in the sand. I'm like, okay, well you're on your own journey. And it doesn't feel like you're inviting me in. It just feels like you're drawing a line, a line in the sand and it's either get in or get out. That doesn't feel cohesive to me. 
So it's like about the delivery. It's about the intention. It's about conscious conversations. And if he can do that, I'm going to step out of my shell and be who I'm meant to be. She will most likely be attracted to that unless she feels like it's still not safe. The container still isn't safe because if you have that solid foundation of safety, you guys can really thrive together. But if it's shaky, if it's uneven, if there's so many things that have been done, I mean, we're not even talking infidelity. We're just talking about, I'm trying to be vulnerable and you back up when I'm vulnerable and then I have no safe place to go. So then I get what I need from another family member or a friend or a therapist. And yeah, there's just so much complexity, but I think if he comes at it, he can have what he wants. I'm glad you brought it up because it's, it's really twofold. So on one hand, yes, be in your power. Yes. Be confident. Yes. Set boundaries. Yes. To all of that. And we're not saying to become a tyrant and a lot of men, like that's where their mind goes is if I'm not going to be a nice guy then I'm going to be a bad boy. That's not what we're saying at all, because that also creates a lack of safety. And mm -hmm. so really, and safety is like a woman has to feel safe to be turned on, like to be even sexually turned on. There's things like S and M, but even then you have to have a ton of safety, even to create that sort of environment, maybe, maybe even more safety. I think that there's some, there's a lot to be said for creating safety so she can be turned on and looping her in without asking her for permission is crucial. So it's one thing to be like, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it as a form of self-love. And I want you to be right alongside me. You're, you're my, my right hand woman. You're, yes. my, you're my heart. You're, mm -hmm. you're inextricably linked. And so when I do something, there's a recognition of like, when the man shifts, she's naturally going to shift. And so he, there has to be a recognition of when he starts to do this work and when he starts to shift, she's going to feel it and she's going to make her own meaning of it unless you communicate what's happening. So I love the language that you are giving, are giving people who are listening. This is the language that you can use mm -hmm. to have these types of conversations with her and let her know, hey, this is not personal. This isn't me going away from you. This is me yes. leading. And I want you to come with me and I want you to learn to trust me. Even if it's not overnight, even if it's not immediately, I want to be the kind of guy that you can trust and that you can lean on. And when you loop her in, then you're going to get a completely different response. than if she has to one, there's a lot of change and two, it's unknown. And three, she's making her own meaning because there's a lack of information and a lack of context yeah. about what's happening. Mm -hmm. A micro example of that would be, let's say you can't respond to her text right away. So the, the boundary wouldn't be, I'm just not going to respond or, Hey, mm -hmm. don't text me at work. It would sound something like I can't give your text the attention that it deserves right now. So I will respond later this evening. So she's acknowledged, she's seen, and she's heard, and she understands how it's going to benefit her. And that's mm. a completely different dynamic than you just doing your own thing and thinking that that's leadership, which is never good leadership for the no. leader just to be doing whatever and not communicating with other people. That's not good leadership or you being a pushover. So mm -hmm. it's the same concept. I think it's so much to do with delivery. If I receive that text, like I know immediately if I call Alex at work and he picks up and he's on a fire and he's in his fire helmet and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I called. Well, and he's like, it's okay, babe. I wanted to see your face. I'm like, angel. And then he's like, but I can't talk right now. I'm like, obviously call me later. And then we 
hang up and that's it. And like you said, I feel heard. I feel seen. I feel valued. I feel appreciated. And that is the most attractive thing in the world. And what you were saying with like SNM and sexual experiences, if there's no safety in the bedroom, if there is this dominant feeling, I want nothing to do with it because if I don't feel safe, nothing's happening. I'm sleeping in a sweatshirt and my sweatpants and as much layers as I possibly can. And then if I'm feeling like, Ooh, then I'm going to be in like a tank top and shorts and, and yeah, it's all because the feeling of safety has been created. The, the feeling of, I love you outside of the bedroom as much as I love you inside of the bedroom. And like you were saying about leadership, it's not like one person who leads and doesn't talk to the rest of the people. It's leadership is, this is where I'd like our boat to go. And I would love to hear your perspective on that. I think that this is the route we should take and us having a conversation. And then that person being confident in the route and me going, let's go then. I'm trusting you to lead us there. It's not just about the woman trusting him. It's about him trusting her and them trusting each other and having a clear vision of where they're going together and also understanding the roles that each person plays within that. Whatever your role is that you're, that one, it's communicated and she's on board with it. And two, you're playing full out. It's, it's not just like an abdication, an abdication of your role. Well, I was going to play in the softball game, but I'm just going to just sit on the bench the whole time. And I'll just let mm-hmm. her do it. She's bossy and she'll win the game. It's fine. No, if you're going to be on the same team, the idea is for you both to win. And if she loses, you lose. If you yeah, lose, exactly. she loses. Uh-huh. Right. And exactly. that kind of like dynamic. Yeah. And so that requires like both of you to be at a hundred percent capacity. And this podcast is for men, but we'd be telling women the same thing. If this podcast was for women, we would say it's important for you to be emotionally responsible. We would be having a similar type of conversation around what it would look like for the woman to be in her feminine. So he has room to lead. What does that dance look like for you two specifically? And it looks different for every couple, but that obviously requires a ton of conversation, knowing her enough and being on the same page where you can make those executive decisions and and loop her in on it. And when you said something a while back about softball, about being on the bench, I had this flashback of when Alex was on the softball team and I, it was like one of these things that he was just on and he played every year. And I started being like, I don't want to go to softball games at 7 PM with my four-year-old who usually goes to bed at eight and we don't get home till nine 30 or 10. And then he's, and I started being like, I don't want to do that anymore. And then when he, cause he's a fireman. So he's gone out of the house over 50 hours a week. So that leads me as a single mother for pretty much full time during the week. And with him being gone for softball, I started resenting it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. But then for him, he's like, I have no option to blow off any steam. I work, I come home, I'm dad. And then I got so hot because I was like, you don't have any room to blow off steam. Like I'm doing this by myself and you're adding on more hours for me. And so he started hearing what I was saying and it felt mutually respectable 
because I finally felt heard. That's all I wanted the whole time. It wasn't like, don't play softball. Softball sucks. It was hear me, respect me, and then do something for our couplehood, do something for our marriage. It's not work, play softball, and I'm on the bottom of the totem pole being the babysitter. Do something for our marriage as well. And then I will feel valued. There's so so many different things that go on layer after layer after layer of just like the marriage, the relationship, parenthood, and then being on the same playing field. And I wasn't even asked, hey, do you think softball would work for us this year? It was just a given. And I'm like, what about my given? Where's my, but then I had to take a step back and go, I haven't asked for anything. So when I started reflecting, I'm like, I could ask for things, but me being an extroverted introvert homebody, I like being at home. And, but then it's like, okay, well then if you like being at home, then be happy being at home. There's all these different things that play into it. But the main point is just respect me like I respect you and ask me questions when you're making decisions that affect both of us. That's part of leadership, right? And teamwork and teamwork in general, right? Like how, exactly. if I do this, how, how will it affect you or how do you feel about it? And what that might look like in a day-to-day, like run-of-the-mill relationship where people don't have already, every relationship has habits, just like every individual has habits. So let's say you guys have gotten into a rut. I'm not saying this is what happened with you, but let's say you're just an average couple. You guys have gotten into a rut where you're not communicating about things. You're, you think you're on the same page, but really you might not be. And he goes to softball. She starts to get resentful and she might start to shut down. And then he gets triggered because he's like, (laughs) why aren't you talking to me? Why are you shutting down? Or why are you blowing up? And maybe it's like the sock that is on the floor. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you getting so angry about the sock being on the floor? And really what I hear you saying is that it's often much, much deeper. And so the tools for that would be one, if you can not take her emotions personally, that's huge, right? So distancing yourself from the emotional experience that she's having and say something like, Hey, I noticed that your body language has shifted. I noticed that you're not happy. Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? And then she has the opportunity to say, well, actually, and that's where she gets to be emotionally responsible and say just how she's feeling and not necessarily blame you, but say something like, when you go to softball, I feel overwhelmed. Is there anything we can do about this? Or do you have any ideas about how we can fix this? If she starts to blame and shame and go crazy, that's where the boundaries come into play because you can encourage her to use her words. You can encourage her to tell you how she feels without her blaming you. Like you can make the blame a boundary. I want to have this conversation with you. I want to know how you feel, but if you blame me, if you turn this into a fight, then I'm going to wait until you calm down and just be here with you while you do that. And then we can continue the conversation once you're calm, because I really do want to make sure that you're heard and that you Mm -hmm. get what you want. But I can't do that when I feel like I'm being blamed or targeted or attacked. And it's hard for me to listen to you when I'm being attacked. That's a really, it's a very logical, right? 
Yeah. And so that's where the boundaries come into play. It's not that I don't want to hear what you have to say. It's that the way we're going to talk about it is structured. And so, mm-hmm. and so I can actually address the problem. So tell me more, right? How do you feel? Tell me more about that. Is there anything else you want to share? And if he can actually really sit and listen and ask those questions authentically and just let her get it out, oh that will go a long way. Yeah. He'll literally have an orgasm within 20 minutes of that conversation because she'll be so turned on. She'll be like, you sat with me, you listened to me, you didn't take. And also for a woman, she has so many different hormones going on every week. She even shocks herself with who she is. She's like, I didn't know that irritated me until today. And then she looks at her calendar and she's like, that makes sense. And I think also as women, we can do, we can get, if we remember we can give our partners like a one week warning. That's what, if your period affects you a lot, that's what I always give Alex is I'm like, listen, bro, I need to tell you this. And he's like, what babe? And I'm like, I'm going to have my period within a week. So just don't take anything personally. Cause we don't know what's coming. And he is like, Oh, thank God you warned me. But then if he were to say, Oh, is that you talking? Or is that your period? I'd be like, motherfucker won't be cut. You won't be cut. <laughs> and, <laughs> but if I give him that warning, it it seriously solves so many things. And I can tell my son that too. I'm like, mom's on her period. So if I say something and then he knows that too. And I think we should inform people growing up that sometimes we're just going to be a little irrational. We want to control it, but we can't like, we just can't, we, we are who we are and hormones aren't like, Oh, okay. Well let's turn it down a notch. Hormones are like, let's rage. So give your people some, some warning and, and then don't throw them in their, in their face when they're vulnerable with you. Just let her joke around about it but don't start joking about it unless she brings it up. But yeah, like, I like what you're saying about if you can be, if you can be logical in emotional situations, you could, you like, I don't want to say win, but you do, you win the argument because you're not emotionally affected, which means you get to be stable and level-headed and clear. And then fights don't have to escalate. Yeah. It forces her to reflect on her behavior more than when you engage and then she can make you the scapegoat for her behavior. If you're not engaging. Yeah. If you're not engaging, you can't be the scape. She can't make you the scapegoat. Yeah. Cause men, I, so with women I've noticed and talking with other married women, I've noticed that we can remain calm. I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone too, but just from the friends I've noticed is we can remain calm for quite some time until it's like you're kind of pushed into a corner and then you turn and you're like rage monkey and then the guy he can turn his rage up real quick too and you have two rage monkeys and you're like I didn't want to get to this level I I don't like feeling this way and I don't think either of you like feeling that way so if someone can remain calm and clear and then walk out of the room and just get some space for a little while I mean, that's my tactic. If I feel I'm getting myself hot, I'm walking away. I'm not leaving you because a lot of men tend to feel abandoned when you leave in a conversation and I'm not leaving you for my sanity. I need a few breaths just to clear my mind so I can come back and I can't, I don't have to say anything I don't mean. And then you guys can come back and have a conversation because when you are setting those boundaries for the first time 
and maybe you have been a nice guy or a doormat, I think she's going to rage for a little and then she'll calm down. And then both of you can come together and build a really strong relationship. Yeah. And if you're not taking it personally, you can be more present. And to me, presence and masculinity are essentially synonymous. Think of it as you're the river banks and she's the river. And if you can be still and rooted Mm. and allow her to flow, but also not move you, right? That's the boundaries. You're not, she doesn't get to, she doesn't get to dictate your mood for the day. Like you said, even if it means you have to say, I'm going to leave for 20 minutes. I'm not leaving you. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving this situation for 20 minutes to calm down so I can come back and really listen because I'm not in a place to really Mm -hmm. listen to you right now. It's not that I'm not in a place to like, I'm not in a place to hear you. I should say like, I'm not in a place to really hear and understand you. And I want to make sure that the conversation we have is productive. So I'm going to go let my blood pressure come down. Yes. I'm going to go think about what you've said so far. I'm going to think about what I want to say. Let's come back and talk about this at whatever hour. I'm not just stonewalling you. I'm not just ghosting you or leaving. Yeah. Right? So if, if he can take charge of the situation enough to be able to like, if I'm not present right now, I need to do something to go get present and then come back. And that's a huge gift for her. Like you were saying about the hormones, like it literally raises her estrogen for you to be present and calm and to listen, to not take things personally, to set boundaries so that safe and vulnerable stuff can happen, right? Setting the boundaries creates safety and Mm -hmm. the safety creates a sense of vulnerability. So she can feel like she can cry with you because you're going to hold her instead of attack you because she feels preemptively like you're not going to care. When you're saying all these things, I'm getting all these flashes of times where I've cried and I'm sitting alone though times where I'm crying and I'm just being watched and I'm like, please stop observing me. And can you come put your arm around me? me. Like physically. Yeah. Stop staring at me. I'm not an object in a museum, but they're frozen in their response because they weren't taught what to do. So while a woman is sitting there crying and she's thinking I'm crying and I'm upset and he's staring at me and he's not comforting me. Okay. This isn't safe. I'm going to suck it back in. I'm going to suck it back in and I'm not going to be vulnerable with him. I'm going to be vulnerable with my mom and right. The soft place is gone and then the sex is gone. But when the Mm -hmm. safety is there and it's comforting and you feel cared for and loved on, then you're so appreciative of that person being in it with you instead of just being watched. Mm Mm-hmm. And and my, like in my experience, what I would do is I would escalate. Uh If I'm crying and the person is watching me cry, then my instinct is to be more dramatic and ramp it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how can you not be hugging? Look at I'm the same way drama queens because, because we're looking for comfort. And if you're not giving me comfort, why? And that's the same thing for men though. They're being ragey. And if you're, cause Alex, we're both two years ago, we were more hotheads when I think it's learning different balances, but both of us were like, no, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. And it didn't, it got, it didn't get anywhere. And he would get hotter and hotter and I'd get hotter and hotter. And then it would get to that point where you're, you're literally physically sick. And then you have to decide 
is this good for me or is it not? Or is this something we can work on together? Because it's just a mirror. You're just mirrors sometimes. And if we can work to get each other cooled down and come to a place where we're hot less often than when we're having fun and joking around, then we're going to keep moving forward. I can imagine why people split up all the time because it's, if the low moments and the anger and the fights happen more often than not, life is too short unless there was like that year of bliss and you're trying to get back to it. It, It's so complex. And also I just, for any guy who feels doormatty or he was the emotional holding container for his mom and now he's doing the same with his wife but he's feeling so tired and depressed and demasculated your wife actually wants you to be the leader she just doesn't know how to tell you that exactly yeah I I like to call it emotional labor and I think nice guys did a lot of emotional labor for their anxious mothers totally and they could never do enough emotional labor to make her not anxious. And so that's what it feels like in their relationship is I've done everything I could possibly do to please you, to do what you say you want me to do. I've done all this emotional labor and now I'm going into a trauma response. Now, now I'm freezing. Now I'm fawning because, because I have no idea how to like what the solution to this problem is. And I'm taking it personally and I'm shutting down because I'm thinking that it means something about me as a man and my ability to solve problems. And I can't solve this problem. And I want you to be happy. I want to please you. And no matter what I do, I can't. And so I'm just going to give up and either shut down or blow up. And that's where you get the man staring at her from across the room, like (laughs) you're in the headlights, right? He just has no idea because that's a trauma response, starting to internalize whatever's going on for her. And he can't figure it out. And he doesn't know how to enter that situation. Men are designed, they're designed to penetrate. They're designed to enter. And if he doesn't know a way in, and if he doesn't feel like it's going to be safe to go in, let's say you are a week out and you do, he does try to hug you and you go, get off me. It's hard to tell. And so what I, what I invite men to do is not only use that language, how do you feel about that? Tell me more. Is there anything else really listening? But you could also in that, in an acute situation where she's crying and you don't really know if, if she wants to be bear hugged and just held while she just lets it all out, or if she really physically just doesn't feel safe and it's going to trigger her or make it more traumatic for her to, for you to touch her, you could Mm -hmm. just simply ask her, what do you need right now? And she may be like, I need you to get out of here and think about what she's saying and whether or not it, whether or not it makes sense, but you could come back and say, no, what do you really need right now? Yeah. You you could ask a couple of times until you get a real answer. An example of this was one time my partner's friend was supposed was, he was scheduled to come over on a certain day. My partner's in the oil field. So he's gone a lot. And this was Mm -hmm. close to when he left to go back to work. And his friend was supposed to be there. Basically his friend ended up coming earlier. And so we had less time before he had to leave for work. And I have a thing around feeling abandoned, especially when it comes to other people having time and time is short for us. And do Mm. do I even matter? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he knew that that was a good trigger for me. And he saw my body language change. He, he appreciated that I didn't attack him. He saw that I was having an experience, but I wasn't making it his problem. And he just realized, oh, 
there's something just her state just changed and he looked me in the eye he held my shoulders and he was like what do you need right now and I actually could not answer him I was the deer in the headlights I was like I don't I don't know like I was having a trauma a trauma response so I was going into this place and no one had ever asked me that as a kid so I'm like I don't know what the answer to that is and so he asked me again he said what do you need right now and I said can we go to bed at the same time tonight? It doesn't have to be early, but can we agree to be in bed by 11? And he was like, absolutely. And for the rest of the weekend, I was totally fine. I hung out with this friend. It was all good. I had zero emotion Mm -hmm. left about it because like you said earlier, the fact that he cared enough just to ask me what I needed and the fact that he listened and actually did the one thing, it wasn't even a big thing. I didn't even ask for his friend to leave. I just asked for this one tiny thing and Mm -hmm. that was enough. And so- that's how you enter a situation when you're not really sure how she's going to respond. Just asking her what she needs without assuming what she needs, right? And without feeling overly responsible for figuring it out, that creates that open communication for a solution to come to fruition. Oh, that feels so good because I can imagine when he's saying, what do you need? And you saying this thing that feels tiny, but it's so big in the big scheme of things, it feels so good to know that someone has your back and that he's stepping up to the plate and he's like, I can absolutely do that. And so he feels accomplished because he gave you what he needed. You feel great because you feel safe and comforted. And the more you do this and the more men know about how to comfort a woman in her own trauma response and how she can do that to him, it's going to be so much easier to communicate when they have these tools, because I would love, I think I'm going to tell that to Alex after this is I'm going to say, Hey, this would be a great thing. And I never even thought about you observe me while I'm crying. I've never even thought about that until we were talking about this and how it makes me feel like I'm someone in a zoo behind a case, but then Bodhi, he hasn't been conditioned to do anything. He runs up and hugs me. If he sees me upset because he's just pure, because there's no talk of be a man tough it out. And he hasn't been through the same things. And I think he also has a mom who isn't anxious attached, who is like empowering him to be a body sovereign and not people pleasing. My main thing is I'm, I'm raising a man who will never be a doormat. You're inoculating him from toxic relationships when you do that. Nice. You're inoculating him from being like targeted and used by a woman who's narcissistic and not doesn't have his best interest at all because he's not going to think it's his job to do emotional labor. He's not going to get his purpose, his identity from being that guy for women. Mm. And he's going to know that he can say no and that her emotional response to that isn't his responsibility to manage if that no comes from a really deep place, it's not manipulative, it's not controlling Mm -hmm. a belly no, and that other people have to respect that. And the people that don't are not his people. Yes. And it's not just relationships. It's, it serves you in your career. It serves you in so many other aspects. It serves you from being manipulated at a car place. If it's, I always tell him, listen to the feeling in your belly. Just listen to that. Cause he's like, mommy, and he'll ask me questions. I'm like, what's your belly saying? He's like, my belly says no. And I'm like, so let's listen to that. 
that's called your intuition. That's your gut. That's the thing that you need to pay attention to the most. Yeah. I just want to raise someone who has a ton of integrity and doesn't let anyone manipulate them into anything. I don't want him to be with a narcissist or someone who's going to jack up his emotions and make him feel like a tiny little human. Exactly. And I love that you brought in this integrity piece because if you are people pleasing and you mean no, but you say yes, that's not an integrity. You are lying to them. Yeah. Yeah. And women feel that we feel that, that lack of integrity in our body. We Mm -hmm. experience it as dangerous. We experience it as follower behavior. We don't experience it as leadership and empowerment. And your no means no and your yes means yes. We experience it as confusion and chaos. That's what we reflect back to you. It's unwavering. It's like you can't trust something that's continuously up and down and up and down. But like you said, with a tree, you can trust a tree. A tree is solid. A tree doesn't waver. A tree is planted into the earth. You need that solid piece of knowing who you are, what you're here for, how you can support yourself and others. And when you do that, you become so attractive. You become magnetizing and you start attracting people who will honor your boundaries. I would even say they become electric. Yeah. Women are more magnetizing and men are more electric and she can feel the power. She can feel the charge. And what I want to add to this, and I I think we can start wrapping up here about that the tree by being an anchor, he is of service. He is of more service by being an anchor than he is when he's getting swept away in the same current. And so the boundaries, the presence, and like, he also knows who he is. The tree is the tree is the tree is the tree. And so the, the work is finding out who you are and being more of that and being more yeah. present and being more integrated and more embodied and being anchored in something bigger than yourself, being connected to yourself. That level of being anchored creates the level of service that you're actually wanting to create, but just don't know how to create. So you're doing it by people pleasing. Do people pleasing men attract narcissists? Yes. Yeah. What we can say for sure is that they have narcissistic traits, meaning they're not connected to themselves. They're very insecure. They're overcompensating. They're not empathetic. And that's because in another way, in an equal but opposite way, you're not connected to yourself. You're not authentic. Yeah. You're not empathizing with yourself. So the more the people pleaser can turn inward and start to get connected, start to honor his feelings, start to honor other people's feelings, start to set boundaries. It's just a matter of healthy relating to yourself Mm. as the foundation for healthy relating to other people in the same way that you're teaching your son to trust himself. That's where it all starts. And if you don't have that connection to yourself to begin with, then any relationship you have is going to be at a deficit. It's not just like, we're always growing. We're always learning who we are. But like, if you, if your whole existence is simply a reaction to everyone else around you, right? then you have work to do. So you can come home to yourself and begin to be that anchor, not only for your partner, but especially for yourself first and foremost. Mm -hmm. People with narcissistic tendencies will play on those weaknesses. They'll play on the people pleasing and they'll use it to their advantage because they have a void that they're trying to get you to fill. 
I realized I am an empath, but I was a boundaryless empath for pretty much majority of my life until the last few, I would say five years. And I attracted so many narcissists and I'd always be so burned and be like, why would they say that to me? That's so hurtful. And then once I started placing boundaries is when things really ramped up and things got even hotter. And I was like, whoa, this is so much for a human to handle. And then I kind of made it over the hump. And now I feel I have pretty good boundaries. And if someone says something, it usually says something more about them and what they're going through instead of, yeah, I took it on and I didn't need to take it on. And when you start placing these boundaries and you start dropping your people-pleasing tendencies, you actually get healthier. And when you're starting to set these boundaries, it's going to be clunky. It's going to be weird. You're not going to know how to do it. And you're just going to be guessing and trying, and you're going to probably use Ashley's like things that she's given you and be like, this doesn't feel authentic yet. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to care about how you feel before you can start to care about how someone else feels. Be connected to you first and then letting the other person be an extension of that is an integrity. Yeah. And, and not codependent. Do you have anything else you want to add to this conversation before we start to wrap up? It's been amazing. Yes. Uh, we see you men. We see you trying. And I just keep hoping that you continue this very roller coastery process so you can feel really empowered and proud of yourself and have a relationship that brings you a ton of joy and feels really light. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jay. This has been an amazing conversation. I think it's going to be helpful for so many people listening. I love how the sun has just been like, like bathing you this whole time. You're like this angel coming to, to speak to the <laughs> men. <laughs> thank you for Men's. being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of a podcast for nice guys. For more nice guy tips, follow Ashley at Nice Guy Reform School on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And when you're ready to take your relationships and business performance to the next level, book a free consultation at www.quantumselfmastery.com. See you next time on a podcast for nice guys.